When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So evidently, uh-huh. uh, I've been having trouble readjusting the YouTube videos to cut off the beginning part of our stream. So I just kind of let okay. it go. Yeah. Evidently, every time that I've gotten to do it, I've just done it too soon. So the video is still processing. If I wait like a day or two, then I can go in and I can blur your faces out if I wanted to. <laughs> can YouTube, you please do that just a little bit? YouTube Live is such a fickle beast. I don't like it. <laughs> But um, we have to live with it. We have to. Well, we don't. We're, we're still live stream on Twitch and Facebook. Shameless plug. Um, <laughs> it was good. You just slipping but, that in there. I like that. Yeah. I mean. Oh, man. If they're, listening to this on the, if they're listening to this on the cold open, they may not know. So. Ooh. <laughs> Let's talk about movies. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're going to talk about the 2015 thriller film starring Patrick Stewart and Anton Yelchin, uh, Captain Picard and Reboot Chekhov, if you will, uh, <laughs> Green Room. Um, but before we get into that, how you guys doing? It's been a week. Yeah. Yeah, man. The, I'm not in a creepy hotel anymore. It's great. Our group chat's been kind of quiet. Because I think we've all been busy. So yeah. yeah, it's been back-to-back work for me. Have you guys had the same? Pretty much. I had Creature Feature this weekend with Victims and Villains, so that kept me pretty busy. Well, you got to tell us about that. You can't just drop yeah. Creature Feature in there and not um, say anything. Got to meet some cool people. Got to meet the directors of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> got to meet um, Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance in The Shining. Oh, fun. Got a, got a quick interview with him. And I got to see Doug Jones from a distance. Uh, didn't get a chance to interview him, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun time. I, I bought this. There we go. Uh, wait, wasn't mm-hmm. that in your office? I, I bought two. <laughs> you bought two? <laughs> I bought two. There, there was a booth selling like daily. Bu- like It was all wanted posters. So I, I was like, eh, that's nothing. That interests me. But then I saw the Spider-Man Daily Bugles and I was like, I'm going to buy as many of these as he has. And he had, he had, <laughs> he had three, but he told me not to worry about looking for the Spider-Man three one. Cause it wasn't worth it. But instead, Oh, because he's like, it, it, it came out dark. You can't really see anything on it because, because it looks good on camera, but looking at it up close, it's not a great print, but uh, the third one I bought because it was a deal for buy three for twenty five or something. I got the wanted poster of the Wet Bandits. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, that was how I spent my Saturday, and then I went to a Hershey Bears game. I saw that. Who were they, they playing? They they um, 
the Americans from Syracuse. That is definitely a made-up team. I now know you didn't go to that game. It uh, no, is it, a it, minor league hockey team, Devin. They have yeah. dumb names. <laughs> um, but I, Devin, after the show, I have a funny story to tell you that I'm not going to tell on air. Oh, okay. Well, I can't wait. Um, I can't yeah. wait. Uh, D- Ryan, how how are things going on in your 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 side of town? Uh, let's see, sports, sports, and more sports. Ted Lasso. Yeah. Um, actually, no. In fact, because I haven't had time. Because somehow, some way, I have awoken a new sports interest in me that I didn't know that I had. Um, Wait, can I we guess watched... what sport? Can we guess what sport? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, Ooh, hold on. This is tough. I can give you a hint. No, I don't want a hint. Okay. Uh, pickleball. That's not no no. Okay. I I don't. Nothing that relates to anything you'd play at, like, a retirement home. <laughs> okay, you are now in the MEWC, or into the MEWC. M-E-W-C. The Microsoft Excel World Championship. That's not a thing, no. It is and I'm not 100% going to, no, a thing. No, it no. is. It's the that best is, thing. Th- that is, like, two people going, I can click my finger faster than you, which technically is a sport, because it's, yeah, okay, fine, it's a sport. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, but that that's, no. Um, Listen, they have a spot on ESPN. They count as a sport. So does po- so does poker. What's the sport? Moving what's the on. Sport? What uh, what's it? the sport? Okay, so um, Indian F one racing. Weird. Okay, great. Uh, like 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 I've always been into rally racing and cars and mm-hmm. stuff, but because of Drive to Survive on Netflix and because of a few other documentaries, like I legit sat and wa- uh, and watched all. All of the opening indie car race down in Florida, in St. Petersburg, like two, like two to three weeks ago, and then I followed along because I couldn't watch it. The F1 race that happened this past weekend, and I like because of following drive drive to to survive. I know who the drivers are. I know who the pit bosses are. So I was actually like drawn into it because I knew who these people were, and I never thought I'd be one of those. I I, I am now. I, I am so like I have like another sport knocked on my like TV time list, which is ridiculous because I it's too much. <laughs> are you are you at least uh, before we get into today's show? Are you at least caught up on Picard? Yeah, I am. I'm caught up on okay. Picard and The Mandalorian. Okay, that Give last me, okay. I I'm not caught up. Thumbs up or thumbs down for either of those? Oh, thumbs up for both. Thumbs Hardcore. up for both. This Hardcore. last ep- this last episode of Picard was the best episode of Picard. Mm-hmm. And you, Devin, it will go right over your head. It will be. <laughs> because it has to Aww. do with a character that didn't show up until like the later seasons of okay. Next Gen. And yeah. she is literally my favorite character from Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Did this does this help you? Like, is it is she still your favorite character? Did they like ruin her a little bit? Oh, no, 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 no. They picked her up. I mean, at first I was like, ah, what? But it was good. Like, her yeah. story and everything was, was great. Um, but yeah, and Mandalorian, too, as far as I'm concerned, this is probably the best it's been. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The last episode got some got a lot of hate online because there was supposed to be a show called Rangers of the New Republic with Cara Dune, who has been written off of the show because the actress got fired from Disney. Right. So they're taking ideas from that show and incorporating them into Mandalorian episodes. So that's this last episode was book and bookmarked by 
or bookend by Man- the Mando story, but then told this whole other story out on Coruscant. And a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought it was like one of the best, better episodes yeah. of Mando. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is. And um, the, even the Mando storyline that's going on outside of what they did in this past episode is just great. Like, I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely love where they're going with it. And this other story that they told um, is exactly what some really vocal Star Wars fans didn't want to happen. And they did. <laughs> The, the problem I have with it is like the same people who are hating on it are the same ones who like were praising on Andor, which told a very similar story yeah. and tone. And like you were the ones who were saying Mando's going to look like a kid show now. Like, no, it, well, I mean, yeah, it's a kid show. It's Star I'm, Wars. It's always been for kids. So, yeah, I got to catch up on this. I'm not catching any of this. I'm really confused. Yeah. I got to watch Andor and I got to watch watch Roman and I were just talking about it tonight I want to watch them I'm excited to watch them I have no desire to watch them like at no point in any like this week or last have I been like I'm in the mood to watch these I I, I can say two words that will sell you on watching Andor All right, you will get off of this show and you will go watch it tonight <laughs> what is it Andy Serkis oh <laughs> I know he's in it too he's so good in it you yeah. you, you you it's seriously that yeah. is and Andor is the most adult-focused Star Wars thing that they've made so far. Which makes me feel like that's going to make me love it two bits. Yeah, no, and believe me, you will. Like, I, I can't stress that enough without actually telling you what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to do it. I'm going to have to bite the bullet and just watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been watching you, which is considerably worse. Oh, I know. I, I feel pity for anyone watching me. <laughs> I enjoy it, Alan. Every um, yes. Tuesday night, right here. <laughs> uh, all right, so we still like to start off the show after we catch up and talk about our weekends. Talking about things that we watched over the last week to try to get the guys excited about other stuff. Um, you guys didn't watch anything, but that's okay. <laughs> I took two for the team. Uh, I so I told did. you I told you what I did on my Saturday. My Sunday was spent at the Cineplex. I saw two movies. The first of which I'll talk about is Shazam Fury of the Gods. Did not want to go see this, but I did. And it's a movie. <laughs> um, I, I really had low expectations for this. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it's not as good as the first one. I really enjoyed the first one. Mm. I did not really care for most of this one. Um, Shazam is the worst part of it. Like there are oh, other weird. characters in this that are more enjoyable. Like Shazam, the wizard is more enjoyable in this movie than the main character. Did they lean um, too hard into like the jokey jokes? Like they tried to make him more Deadpool-y because they're like, that's what the kids loved. They did a little bit. Um, and one like one of the critiques I see of it online is like why is Zachary Levi playing the character younger than the actor playing Billy Batson? Like, like when he's he's more mature when he's the kid than he is when he is just, when he's Shazam, and it's mm. weird. And I think that's part of the reason I didn't click with this movie. Uh, and I think the other part of it is that like everything with DC is resetting, so I don't yeah. know how much of the stuff that they're setting up is actually going to pay off down the line. 
if uh, Zachary Levi keeps talking about Warner Brothers in their marketing department, probably not much is going to happen <laughs> with Shazam down the line. Um, but the, the, I mean, as much flack as I gave this movie going into it, it wasn't that bad. Like it was better than Black Adam, uh, but that's not hard to do. Um, it just. The, be- the the thing that got me most excited about the, the movie is there's a cameo and the music they play in that cameo got me excited. But I was like, well, what, well, wait, this this doesn't matter. Like, this isn't going to tease anything for the future. Just like the post credit scene in the first Shazam is it is addressed a little bit, but not yeah. really like Superman doesn't show up like they they have that whole lead up to that end credit scene where you don't see mm-hmm. Superman's face and then they like oh yeah you're the kid who had the lunch with the superheroes that one day that's all they say about it and I'm like okay it's got mm-hmm. weird it it's got weird Dark Knight Rises vibes because I don't know what happened at DC that somebody just hates sports fields in Pennsylvania <laughs> but. They blow up the Philly Stadium at one point in this. So Citizens okay. Bank Park? Yeah. Eh, if these things happen. Yeah. Um, We're all distraught. But yeah, all of us. I'm, I'm going to be talking in detail about this on my new show, Brilliant But Lazy, which is a... Words you can use to describe this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I saw that. Any questions about Shazam? Fury of the How Gods? How were the... Okay. The one thing I thought would ruin it is that, like, in the first one, Shazam is Shazam, and it's very cool. And then, like, in the end, they bring in, like, the Shazettes, and I wasn't <laughs> sure that they would work well in a whole movie. Were they annoying the whole time? No, they were, they were, okay. I, I enjoyed them on screen more than I did Shazam. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Um, no, they were, they were fine. And part of the, like, the main crux of the story is them trying to work as a team, like, like Billy Batson's main thing is uh, together or or nothing. Like they have to go do everything together mm-hmm. as a team, and they 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 suck at it. <laughs> they're they're nicknamed the Philly Fiascos. So Perfect. it yeah. It takes place in Philly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, you know the DC universe, Metropolis, yeah, I, I, Gotham City, we, Central Philly, Philadelphia. I hate it. <laughs> well, I mean, if any city in the United States would hold its name jumping into a superhero universe, it would be Philadelphia. Because of the brotherly love? No, just because of how cartoony the city is to begin with. That's fair. You know what? You're talking about the city, not the people in the city, right? Just the general atmosphere and culture of the city. Yes. Listen, our one Philadelphia listener is so mad right now. Yeah. No, he's not because he's laughing and he's agreeing, going, That's yes, right. we are. Me, <laughs> I'm a fan of Philadelphia sports culture, so nobody can hate me. <laughs> it, it's, it's okay, Devin. I greased the microphone stand so they can't get us. Uh, that won't stop them. They'll still get up yeah. there. It'll still get um, yeah. That, that's what I think of Shazam, uh, Fury of the Gods. Neat. Uh, so I was I was assigned to go see this, and I was like, if I'm going to the if I'm going to go to the movies, I want to see something I want to see. 
And it just so happened that Amazon Prime was doing a exclusive early screening of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, starring Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and Hugh Grant. Uh, guys, this yeah. movie was awesome. <laughs> was it? It, Devin, you're, you like Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. This is, there are so many moments in this that are taken from the Lord of the Rings movies and just made fun of, like, but not in like a naked gun kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's like paying homage, but also like making it funny in the Good best idea. way. Chris Pine leads this cast and he's phenomenal in it. Uh, I really enjoyed the whole film. It's from the directors of Game Night, which is what really got me excited to see this. Cool. I, like the theater was mostly full for this early screening, which I was surprised by. But I think everyone brought their their parties to see the movie. So like, it was like a bunch of Dungeons & Dragons fans coming to see the movie. <laughs> and then I'm there. Like this is from the directors of Game Night, guys. Like, <laughs> um, But I really enjoyed oh, no. it. Uh, the cinematography cinematography is fun, like it was in Game Night. Um, and the story the story makes sense. Like it, if you know an, a little bit about um, Dungeons and Dragons, you're fine. If you know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons, it'll still make sense. If you know like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, like it, it's basic enough for you to pick up on. But there's also I could tell there were some hints for like deeper lore things in the game. So okay, uh, Devin, this is right up your alley. I, you know what, because I've played, like, eight games of Dungeons & Dragons, like, I get some of the deeper lore things, like, if they went to, like, I don't know, Waterdeep, or any places like that, I'd be like, ah, the place I've been. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, and even the trailer just looks phenomenal. I mean, yeah. there was a place, where, a point where they got chased by, it was a mimic, I think, where there was, like, the chest, the treasure chest with teeth, and I was like, ah, that happened to me in-game, like. Fun fact, I missed that yeah? part. Oh, no, what happened? I may have fallen asleep for the last 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Does that mean bad things? No, it doesn't mean ma- bad things. I, The night before, I had taken a melatonin gummy for the first time. Oh, sure. And it was so warm in the theater that I just missed the whole final like battle. <laughs> was, it, was it the body heat? Was that why it was so warm in the, in the no, theater? No, I don't think so. Uh, okay. I think it was just a warm theater because people, like everyone else, was walking. I was like, "Yeah, it got really warm in that theater." I couldn't yeah. wear my chainmail the whole time, guys. I had to take it off. I wasn't even in character for the third, the third act. Whoever's in charge of the HVAC roll, roll, roll the D twenty and got a one, so <laughs> or a twenty, oh. depending on what they were trying to do. <laughs> or a tw- oh, they rolled a twenty. Yeah. <laughs> they won. They were like, yes. Um. But yeah, I really, I highly recommend this to you, at least, Devin. Ryan, take it or leave it. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know if, it, I don't know if you'd like it. So, well, it, it's, it's one of those things where, like, if it's more of a comedy, like the whole fantasy genre, if it's more of a comedy from what I've seen in the trailers, I'll find, I, I, I will enjoy it. But, but, but by the time I see it, I know that. Yeah. Um, and I'm really cynical about. Uh, Game of Thrones so if they're making fun of Game of Thrones in any way I'm going to be happy (laughs) alright well uh, Chris Pine of course was Captain Kirk in the Star Trek reboot and our film today stars one of his co-stars Anton Yelton who played uh, Chekhov so today we're going to talk about 
Ryan's pick, the 2015 film Green Room, starring Anton Yelton, Imogene Peets, Poots, and uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. She has my favorite name to say. Say Imogen it. Poots. Imogene Poots. <laughs> so good. Ryan, take it away. Okay, so like Alan said, it's a 2015 movie. It was directed and written by Jeremy Saliner. Saliner. I know I did this the last time when I was saying I was going to do this. I messed up his last name. But anyway, um, this is his uh, like second critically acclaimed movie. Um, he's still kind of a young up-and-coming director. This movie focuses on a punk band that's rock bottom. They need they need money, so they take a gig in a remote venue that happens to be a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. Um, and hijinks ensue, for lack of a better term. Um, I have always wanted to watch this movie since the second I heard about it back when it first came out, but I never got around to actually watching it. Finally, I came home a few, like, maybe a month and a half ago, and Kristen was halfway through watching it. And it was on a scene that I had never seen in any of the trailers, but I knew exactly what it was as soon as I saw it. Um, and she said, I... Uh, she said that I think you're really going to like this movie. And I said, I know I am. Can we restart this? <laughs> and so that's what we did. Um, as soon as I saw it, I knew that I had to put it onto the, uh, I knew that, that, that I had to bring it onto the show because I wasn't sure if you guys were going to even like it is, uh, remotely as much as I did. But this is something that I really, really enjoyed. And there are aspects to, what this guy did for writing for this movie and researching and getting things really accurate when it comes to that whole scene um, that I was really impressed by. Um, so I really like this movie uh, for more than just the music uh, and the actors in it. So how was your guys' first experience watching this? David? You want to go, Alan? Nope. I, I can go. Nope. 10 out of 10. Love the movie. Love the actors. Love the acting. Love the plot. Love the pacing. Uh, was not expecting it to be as gory and graphic as it was, I think. Yeah. Uh, but no, absolutely. I haven't watched like a, a solid like thriller movie like this in a while. And I forgot how much I kind of missed the genre. So it, it really, yeah, it, it like ticked all the boxes. There's like a part I think I need you to explain to me. Okay. Um, yeah. But other than that, great. Loved it. Okay. I'm trying to remember the last time this happened. I hated this movie. No. Yeah. I, well, I, I can appreciate what it's trying to do, but I have issues with it. It was a hard watch for me. I had to split it up into two um, just because it was a slow burn and I like, so this is the earliest I've watched a movie for the podcast. Uh, just because of my schedule, I knew I had to watch this early. I watched this last Wednesday or I started it last Wednesday. Wow. Um, and I ended up finishing it Thursday night. Um, just because I knew I was going to be busy all weekend and I wouldn't get a chance to, um, ended up splitting it in the two watches. Um, I'm trying to think the best way to like, this it's hard subject material for me to, to watch um, because of the political climate we live in now. It, but I can, like looking past that, uh, 
mm-hmm. I was disappointed in the film because I, I was I was looking forward to this. Like I from the moment I heard about this, I was looking forward to it to see Patrick Stewart as a villain. Mm-hmm. And you barely get to see him as a villain. Like he's there, but you he doesn't really get to do anything. And I was disappointed in that. Like it, it's I was expecting more of a villainous uh performance from him, but instead you just hear him through a door. And that mm-hmm. was disappointing for me. Um yeah, those are my initial thoughts. <laughs> okay. Um, so when it comes to uh, one of the things, I, uh, there's a few things I wanted to touch on from doing some research on this. And mm-hmm. one is the director of this movie, after the success he had of Blue Ruin, he got scared a little bit because he wasn't expecting that. And a bunch of studios were starting to hand him movies that they wanted him to do. And this script was something that he had been working on since he was like a kid. Um, Well, not a kid, a teenager. Um, He was in a punk band. He was in the punk scene for a little bit when he was a teenager. And um, there are aspects to this movie that were taken from experiences from his life. Um, And so there were certain scenes that I found out that he actually experienced and I find kind of uh, uh, humorous and one is the scene at the beginning where they wake up in a cornfield apparently that happened to him <laughs> well, so that's what drew me into the movie so much was how believable that band felt like a band like someone that like a band that like believes in their music but they don't quite have the money for a tour but they're doing it anyway they hired like some dude that like swears he'll book them place on place and Really, he booked him in the corner of some Mexican restaurant in, like, Ohio or something. And, like, you know, they get six bucks a piece. Like, that all felt so incredibly real. And that's what drew me in right away. Well, and that's where the that's where the believability for me comes in when it comes to the whole punk scene in this. Because him, the fact that he took it from his own experience uh, doing this stuff in the 80s and 90s definitely shows because that's the stuff that happens um especially mm-hmm. in like uh mexican restaurants some filipino restaurants it's known if you look up like punk music history mm-hmm. a lot of the early bands in the late 70s early 80s played at mexican and filipino restaurants i didn't know that actually. when they couldn't get gig gigs anywhere else and that's just places that would have them and that's just places that would let them play I so, mean, that's cool. I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, uh, one, and then um, to to backtrack a little bit from his um, experiences, that whole beginning uh, part of the film where they're introducing the band, they're showing their chemistry, um, and just the feel of it. It's just, it's real, almost boring. Alan, I think you'd agree on that one since you said it was kind of a real slow burn for you. I I didn't say that. Uh, no, 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 uh, no, no. You didn't say boring. You just said it was real slow burn for you. It wasn't a slow. It wasn't a slow burn. I just knowing what they're the characters getting into. It was harder to to get into the story because like okay, I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, had I not known what the movie was about, like the, the opening does a good job of setting up the band. 
Um, and even putting them into that situation. And then when, when shit hits the fan, it's, um, it picks up a bit, but yeah, I I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, it's been a week. I gotta, I gotta rethink it. (laughs) I I understand when the movie opens, they open in a cornfield. They ran out of gas. Um, they have to go siphon gas from a place that's like 13 miles away, which the director said in interviews specifically that he did not do that as a youngster. He wanted to be sure that like, yeah, we woke up in a van that was out of gas, but we never siphoned gas from, you know, a car in a parking lot, which means they could have done it in someone's driveway. Who knows? Right. Um, so there's that. But they eventually make it to a, either uh, Seattle or some town in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and that's where this movie takes place. And it's just them being a band, being friends, talking to the guy that got them the gig, um, staying in his apartment that night, just kind of talking and BSing until, you know, the next morning where where they do the, the, the interview. And the camera work almost makes it seem like you're there, but you're not kind of like you're kind of like a third wheel on the conversation. And that's something that I liked about the way that the movie was shot at the start. Um, did, well, did, if, hmm? if you don't mind me cutting in here, they yeah, had an fine. editing choice that I loved in the beginning. And and I don't know how you felt about this, Alan, but I thought it was really interesting where they went. I, the lady that played maybe in Arrested Development walked in with a bunch of beers and she goes, we drink. And the guy put like a, like a, the arm down on a record and you hear this really loud music play for half a second and it cuts and then you see the record like already done and it's the morning and you don't have to watch them party. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good decision. Like, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It was really interesting. It helps move the story along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's as a fan of fear that made me mad for a little bit. The first time I saw this, because I know that song. I like that song. And then it just stopped. And I was like, no. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, no. It's an excellent choice because it does move things along. And then they open it up with a, uh, and they get it going again uh, with a good joke because their booker for that part of the country comes home and looks at uh, Anton's character and goes, mm-hmm. You fell asleep first, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's like, all the shenanigans you need to see at that party. Like, I didn't need to see who got drunk first. I didn't need to watch them play beer pong. Like, yeah. I got their chemistry straight away. I didn't need the party sequence. Yeah. Fine. Um, so, one thing about this movie that is part of a big part of the plot and something we cannot get around without actually talking about it. Um, Devin, since... You didn't really know what was happening in this movie, right? Not really, no. Okay. Did you get from what their booker was saying uh, that they were going to a Nazi punk skinhead bar? He he was real shady about it. He was like, he said something like, "Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of like alternate, like maybe left, maybe like super left wing or super right wing or something. I don't know." And like okay. he he like mentioned it in really vague terms. And I didn't really expect that. Okay, so the 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 terminology that's used in the movie 
he first says it's a uh, it's a boost it's a boots and braces type place. He does say that, doesn't he? And boots and braces refers to Doc Martens, which is popular in the punk scene throughout. It doesn't necessarily have to do with you know what your political views are. Mm-hmm. Um, and braces are just suspenders. Oh, okay. And, but when you put them together, that's that's when you start getting into the whole like, oh, these this might be like a like a Nazi punk place. Did you um, all know that the first time watching it? I mean, Alan, you knew where the story was going, right? Yeah, I, I had heard uh, like interviews and stuff when the movie came out, so I, I was aware of where it was going. Got it. Yeah. Um. <coughs> So, but at, um, and then, but at the same time, and this is, and this is where I like how in depth this was in the whole punk scene. Mm -hmm. So being a skinhead does not necessarily mean that you're racist Mm -hmm. there. You've got, you've got skinheads that are Mm anti-racist, um, and like really open about wanting, you know, like being inclusive, or mm-hmm. yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. And then you've got the other side, which is what people think of when you say skinheads, mm-hmm. and they mirror each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in fact, unfortunately, they both kind of came up in the same areas. Very 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 late sixties. This is when this stuff started kind of happening, mm-hmm. because it was it was the look at the time of like the worker, like the coal miner, the shopkeeper, the truck driver, boots, mm-hmm. jeans, t-shirts, suspenders. And that's where that look comes from. So just by saying boots and braces, be like, yeah, that's kind of sketchy, but you need more information about what that means. And then that's when he said, like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like very hard right, ultra left. And that's another yeah, thing. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And that's another thing I really like about this is because in this spectrum, when, when you're, when you get into like punk music and the way punks view politics, it's a circle. A lot of people look at politics and it's a linear line. You have the very, very left and the very, very right when actually, and I believe this too, it's a circle. Huh. So you can go so far right that you end up getting into the left spectrum <laughs> and back over again. Because, I never like, thought about it that way. And so when you go ultra left, you still are dealing with, you know, fascism. What you took <laughs> to along the way on the yeah. way to that. Yeah. So that's where like... When he, when he said that, and granted, I knew where this was going because because I mean, like I was like Alan. I heard oh. interviews with this. I read, you know, it's it's like I um I read up on it. But as soon as he had that conversation, I was like, I love this movie. I love it even more than what I thought I was going to before because they because they're really doing this right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what did you guys think of uh like them going, you know, getting there? getting into the venue, getting into the green room. Like I'm talking like up until everything hits the fan. I like that they performed a song that was kind of just a giant middle finger to everyone in the room. Um, yeah. You're going to have to explain that one to me. That one I didn't get. Okay. I knew they did a cover and I knew the audience was mad. Okay. And then so in no part of me understood what that was. This is where and why our podcast is marked under explicit. Oh, the no. song is called Nazi Punks Fuck Off. Oh. It is a song that, uh, it is a very, very popular song from the band Dead Kennedys, which is the band that Sam was wearing on her shirt. She was wearing a Dead Kennedy shirt. 
Um, basically, the song is from uh, Jello Barfa. I think I said his name right, the lead singer. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically him saying, like, you guys are idiots. We're fighting. You know, it's like you're fighting who should be your peers because like the police are not going to be on your side because they're Mm -hmm. going to crack our skulls just like yours. So that's where like that whole thing comes from. And that's why, um, Anton's character goes, I have a really dumb idea. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Cause I like, I, I just didn't know what this song was. Cause like, I was like, okay, his dumb idea was the song. I, for some reason, this movie didn't have subtitles for me. So I couldn't like, I didn't know what song he was playing. And at the end, he went, that was a cover. And yeah. I was like, if, okay. For anyone listening, including Devin, I highly recommend after the show, or even now, if you're listening, look up the lyrics. Okay. Um, finish the show but, first. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish the show. Well, then look up the lyrics to the show first, and then look up the lyrics to the Dead Kennedys. Anyway, but yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean... But what I found interesting about that was that everyone was pissed at the bar. They're all looking at him. You've got uh, uh, Worm. He, he'll he come up later. Um, mm-hmm. Spits at the stage in the middle mm-hmm. of the song. And everyone's just kind of like glaring at them. Angry. Um, but then they all start liking the next song they play. Like they don't care. Because it's like whatever. They did their little protest song. Now they're playing good music, and then they just they they, they, they they don't care anymore, except for the one guy that threw a beer bottle at the stage when they started the second song, which mm-hmm. reminded me of the Blues Brothers a little bit, which I was happy about. <laughs> um, Do you think they would have gotten asked back if the rest of the movie didn't happen and they just left stage there? Would they have gotten asked back to play again? Well, they're from the D.C. area, mm-hmm. so I don't think so. Ah, oh, darn. They, they mentioned that, and that's why they were angry about getting there and their original show was canceled. I I feel like if you go into a bar like that, get asked back, and then go back, that says a lot about <laughs> you. you. As a fan. Yeah. Well, yeah. hold on. Like a I, check's a check. I get that, but yeah. So okay, before we get too far into this, I did want to talk about it just real, real, real quick. Did watching this movie post twenty fifteen feel different for anybody here? I think that's, that, that's absolutely yeah. why I, I did not like it. Yeah, is it? Uh, okay. It came out at a time where it was like, oh, that this is a foreign idea to me. Like the groups like this don't exist. Yeah. Fast forward what uh, eight years? It's different. Okay. It's a different world. It's a different world, and it it was just hard for me to get into. I I got you. I understand. Um, see. I've always known about this subculture in punk, uh, mm. especially punk music. Not, not, no, uh, I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, punk music. I'm talking about the subculture uh, of the people they're playing for. Yeah, no, 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 no. I know, I know. And unfortunately, Nazi punks are part of that culture, mm. unfortunately. And so, I mean, like when I was in high school, I knew a kid who was into this stuff. I wasn't mm. friends with him, but I knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, and and this is another reason why I like this movie so much is that it's set in, it's set inside the uh, inside the uh, Pacific Northwest, which is the hot, which is the hotbed for this type of activity and and p- political movements in this country. Mm-hmm. You will find more people who believe the things that were at that venue 
in that part of the country than anywhere else. Hmm. Um, Is that why they were in the Blues Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, they were in well, Pacific Northwest of Chicago. I mean, it, the Blues it's Brothers a were Chicago. East. I get it. It's yeah. a lot east. Um, <laughs> but the fact that they had like a community set up there out in the woods in uh in in eastern oregon eastern Mm -hmm. washington state idaho wyoming like that whole area is a hotbed for this type of stuff and Mm -hmm. so the fact that it was set there again another plus for me for this movie um when it comes to how the movie was set anyway Mm -hmm. um but i've the first documentary i ever watched about this type of issue Mm -hmm. or this subject matter was God, I was like 12. Oh, wow. So to me, it's just something that's always been. So mm-hmm. like, it's not really, it wasn't really too different watching this now compared to when it came out for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get it. I mean, I totally get, you know, the whole, you know, it, it making it more real because it mm-hmm. put it everywhere. And I, and I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then crap hits the fan. Uh, yes. So the band finds someone who was murdered in the green room, hence why the, the name of the movie is called Green Room, and they spend a lot of time in the green room. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's basically, you've got a bunch of people who are not qualified to be action heroes or detectives, and they're playing <laughs> both. Um, so what did you guys think of that whole mess? Go ahead, Alan. I think if you take it out of the 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 setting it's in, it would be a lot more interesting for me to to follow. Um, because it is kind of just a um um it's an interesting setup. Like you have them locked in this room, unable to escape. Um. And then the way they do, the ways they do get out, and they keep ending up back in there. So, so I, yeah. that's really interesting. So for me, the setup part of it was the setup part of it. It kind of sets the stakes, and it kind of lets you know essentially who you're dealing with. But then for me, the kind of trappings of it fell away at this part. Like specifically, like who they were dealing with, what their ideologies were, those kind of things fell away from me for the most part at this point, And it turned into more of like a survivor thriller movie. Yeah. And maybe I was watching it. Like maybe I was too quick to drop what the political trappings were over the ide- ideological trappings were at this point. But I think this is when I really eased into the movie because like, you know, like you guys, you know, seeing that subculture didn't make me feel super comfortable, but the second the movie was like, okay, now I'm back in like familiar territory for you, Devin. This is a thriller movie. Here's this mystery that they have to solve. And by the way, it's a bit like Phone Booth, and I know you love Phone Booth. <laughs> I got really kind of – that, like, eased me into it a bit, I think. Okay. Okay. I didn't I didn't even think of Phone Booth when I was watching this. Well, just because so, yeah, they were stuck no. in a place for a while. Yeah. I mean, I can totally get that. Um, you know who directed yeah, Phone and... Booth? Who? Joel Bat Nipples Schumacher. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I genuinely had no idea. Yeah. I just remember Kiefer Sutherland in eight seconds of it, and it was the best part. Because he was in Lost Boys. <laughs> like, it's all connected, man. 
I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I so, learned a lot on this podcast. Yeah, and the, and this whole situation, they come in, they find the girl, mm-hmm. they freak mm-hmm. out. The, the people who own the venue freak out. They trap the band. They mm-hmm. get the, 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 the headlining band to get out. Um, so they're stuck in there. And this is where you get that scene with Patrick Stewart and... Uh, a door. Hmm? And a door. And, and a door. <laughs> and so I was... Uh, so I, um, so when, the, when, when they were doing those back and forths, I, um, I found out that they were filming on both sides of the door at the same time. Oh, so cool. as much footage as they got of the band, they got as much uh, uh, footage of Patrick Stewart on his end doing the performance on the other mm-hmm. side. Um, but the director wanted the focus to be on the band and not Patrick Stewart during that moment. Mm-hmm. Because... Because of how he wanted the audience to experience what the band was feeling. So somewhere out there, there's clips of him performing on the other side of the door. Two, uh, two, um, Anton? I think I keep on saying his Chekhov. actual name. Check, whatever. Um, p- performing to him live, going back and forth on those lines. So I feel like if that was edited the uh, with his performance, I think you might have liked that scene better. Possibly. I, I just realized another reason that I think I have problems with this movie, and it has to do with Anton Yelkton and his really? his early demise. Like he died a year after this. Yeah. And, and this like was just, one of his last movies. Yeah. So like, wow. like, it just made me sad seeing him in this situation. Like knowing what happens to him in real life is like, it, it, it kind of took me out because every time I saw him, I, I thought of that and oh. like that, that kind of just helped keep me out of it. Um, sure. But I, I think what we're getting to and part of the other reason I didn't like this movie and like, they did a great job with it, but the, the, the gore that happens, <laughs> I was, to, I thought about you specifically during this movie, Alan. Yeah, I mean, it's a choice. <laughs> um, I mean, they just straight up cut that guy open like a tauntaun. Um, <laughs> and I thought he smelled bad on the outside. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I think makeup-wise it was good. It was just hard to watch because I was already having such a hard time with the movie. Like, it just took me out of it even more. Um, so I was like, okay, gonna not like, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, from my perspective, I think that Sir Patrick Stewart gave a, an amazing performance for somebody that you don't even see. He is so threatening on the other side of that. That, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the choice. I think that. I could have used like a shot or two of him, but like his like just command in that performance was so good. But the gore. <laughs> it's fine. Like I've seen all of the Saw movies and the Human Centipede yeah. movies. Fine, but like I was not ready for it in this one, and it well, took me aback. 
Well, it's because it doesn't set you up for it. Nothing graphic no. happens at the start of this movie. Like, I think the first horrible thing that happens, besides the girl getting dragged across the floor by the knife in her head, mm-hmm. um, and I know that's a funny sentence. <laughs> um, Not really. Well, I mean, <laughs> under the context of the first horrible thing that happens in this movie, except for the girl being dragged by the by the knife in her head that context of that sentence but anyway was the uh was the drummer getting his throat ripped out by the dog like that's like that's what that's how they open the gore to you pretty much um because before that it's just a knife and a little bit of blood and Mm -hmm. you know for movie standards anyway and so it's like yeah it's okay whatever um and then that happens and you're like uh um but i think from what the director because i was trying to summarize before but um he didn't want he didn't want patrick stewart's star power to interfere with the tension with the band in the room mm. <laughs> it's a choice I whether get it. you like I totally it or not it. is you no, know I, that. then yeah then why go with patrick stewart because he uh because he uh <laughs> I have, I have a lot of stuff in my head. It's all flying around. Um, he got the script. Uh, he heard about the movie. He was semi-interested in it. He read the script. And then he called the director back and said, I want to be in this. It wasn't the director going and, and, and pushing him for it. He offered his services to the director to be this character in the movie. Okay. And in fact, the first... And in fact, the first day he was on set, because of the way that the weather worked, they didn't mm-hmm. shoot any scenes for him when he was there because they were doing a bunch of like fill in shots because of the weather. Mm-hmm. And so the very next day when they were able to get to his shots, the the, the director said that he over he went over to Patrick Stewart and he got on set in the morning and apologized to him about the day before. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, didn't. Didn't Sir Patrick Stewart do the same thing on the set of Dune? Didn't he just like show up and he's like, I'm in your movie now. <laughs> and then he was in the movie now. Like, what if this is just how he gets his roles? What well, if nobody s- hires him? He said that um, after he read the script, he had to lock all of the doors at his house because it freaked him out that much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, um, I, I can just picture Patrick Stewart, 1998, rolls up to Marvel in a wheelchair. <laughs> Star Trek's over, you... so now I need this. I'm a balding English actor. We're, we're, Sir Patrick, we're not even planning an X-Men movie. Well, you, you are, are now. now. You are yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For yeah. those of you listening, um, I did the hand thing to my head like I'm Charles Xavier. Because yeah. we're yes. an audio show, too. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the... Uh, I like the voice performance in yeah. the scene uh, is with the door. Um, my mo and and so pretty much just to bury the lead for the rest of the movie to kind of wrap things up. Um, all of the band members die except for one, um, the the one from Star Trek, and um, so does Amber. Uh, a, a friend or part of the band um, of Cowcatchers, which is the band with Worm 
And because I said, you know, we'll get to him next, Worm is the one that kills the girl in the green room that they find. Yeah. And he's the one that drags her body by the knife. Um, and so almost everyone dies. Um, Anton, Anton lives. So does Amber. Devin's favorite mm-hmm. actress's name to say. Imogen Boots. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, and everyone dies in horrific ways, either being mauled by a dog, uh, getting shot to the stomach, uh, multiple stab wounds. Um, and it's all pretty gory and it's all pretty horrific. But my favorite one has nothing to do with gore. It's because it comes out of literally nowhere. And that's when Dan or Danny, the the cousin who you know worked with the Booker to get them there, mm-hmm. is like, I know how to get out of here. I know the ways out. And he's reaching for the shotgun underneath the bar, and just out of nowhere, in the middle of his line, half his face disappears. And you learn what faces look like on the inside. <laughs> and <coughs> Holy that's how that shot. That's my favorite because at that point in the movie, you're kind of rooting. You're like, okay, like. They need to get out. You know, finally, this guy that was going to turn on them and turn everyone in and he was going to turn his back on these morons, you know, that he was going to help them. And before he can even say anything to even help them at all, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. So, yeah, definitely not guys... there, Ryan. Definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to the throat getting ripped out and you know get it, it there are more horrible goryable goryable things there, in this there are movie. worse ways to go yeah. yeah yeah there are much worse ways to go in this which one stood out for you guys like which one either scarred you to the point that you can't forget or one that you were like that was creative so for me the one that stuck with me I'm going to say something positive about this movie because I've said a lot of negatives. Um, I like the motif of the dog that escapes Mm. and then you just keep seeing it going and going and going. And then at the end it goes with its mass, its owner who died. I like that. I like that ending. Okay. For me, it was the window one when he was climbing out of the window and there was just somebody waiting there with a knife. Yeah. And like, I, I didn't see that one coming. That was actually the one I thought you were going to say. Because it's at about that point in the movie that they do this thing where they're like, you're like, okay, okay, they can get out of this. It's fine. They're going to get out of this. And then they leave the green room and, oh, no, they can't get out of this. <laughs> and, like, that's when, like, oh, you really feel that. And I think one of the first, like, parts of that is the guy climbing out of the window and someone just waiting there with a knife. I, 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 I do want to say that the movie does a really good job of being a thriller because it made me un uneasy the whole time. And it mm-hmm. like, that doesn't usually happen for me. So I will give the movie props for that because it, it's not, you're not supposed to be comfortable watching this movie. Um, uh, I would watch this again faster than I would watch Shazam Fury of the Gods. <laughs> Wait, really? Uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Thinking Arts Entertainment asks, uh, he joined late. Did you guys not like the movie? I was not a, a big fan of it, but these two both loved it. 10 out of 10. Loved it. 10. Yeah. I, yeah. Same here. Which is usually <laughs> flipped. Usually it's Devin or I that like, are like, adamant not liking a movie. And this time it's it, yeah. 
Listen, Sound. I think you and I have pretty similar like tastes in horror and thriller movies, Ryan. I really do. I we just like don't ever talk about horror movies. No, no, uh, you and you and my wife have very similar <laughs> okay. things about movies because it's all the ones that she sees that she thinks I'll like are the ones that I bring up on here, and Got you're it. always like, "Oh, I've seen that. I like that," or "Ooh, that sounds interesting." Got it. Okay. Um, so I mean, or it, it 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 could be that we do, and just I just I don't like I don't naturally find myself going to the whole horror thriller genre um, voluntarily. Usually, I have to be led there. Um, okay. But usually, if, once someone gets to know me and they know what I like, usually then it's like when I, it's usually you know every single one they show me, I usually like. Um, but like I said, two are left alive. Everyone else is dead. Um, mm-hmm. there's a whole subplot with like drugs and like mm-hmm. that type of a deal going on. I will, I want to leave some surprise to people listening if you want to go and watch <laughs> this movie. Um, but one thing I did not ask you guys about, because you can answer if you want, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but my desert Island band, because they bring this up and it, right. And there's a very comical moment. I feel in the movie at, um, at one point because it gets brought up uh, on a second time. Um, like, what band would you be, you know, like your Desert Island band? You can only listen to that band for the rest of your life. Which, you know, which band is it? Mm-hmm. And I have a really hard time with this because it's like movies. Depends on what you're feeling, whatever. But for me, it would have to be Bad Religion because they have... 12 13 plus albums so they have a decent catalog and and their sound has changed over time to where if i feel like i want something you know really raw i can go to their early stuff if i want something a bit more like uh you know planned out i can go to their newer (laughs) you know stuff um so that's mine if you guys have it on the top of your head by all means throw it out if not it's okay does it have to be a rock band it can be anything. I mean, the one guy said Prince. And the one guy said. Oh right. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Matchbox Twenty. Okay. I don't know Ooh, why. Good call. No, no. Um, I do want to say though, uh, my disdain for this movie <laughs> led to me listening to the to the producer soundtrack a lot this weekend, <laughs> and I don't know. I didn't know why until just now. Like that's why I had to listen to that on repeat. I love that. Uh, I don't know if I have a desert island band. I think at this point in my weird life, the band I listen to the most is Little Big, so it might be <laughs> them. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, tech. I mean, eat, eat, eat. EDM pop is definitely a good genre of music. I'm starting to really realize. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, let's see. The I really think that that's it. I know that there's something that I wanted to bring up that I'll remember later and kick myself for. But uh, Devin, you said you had a question about something that you wanted it, me to answer. It was it was specifically what that Dead Kennedy song was. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I yeah. I didn't catch what it was straight away. Now I remember what it was. Um, what was it? That Dead Kennedy song is the only song in this entire movie that is original to his original plan for the script when he was a teenager. Really? Yeah. All the all the other music he had planned out didn't make it into the movie when they set on like actually filming. Okay. 
which I wouldn't be surprised if being being a young punk teenager, he heard that song, being a big fan of the being a big fan as of the Dead Kennedys, knowing how the scene was in the eighties, was like, What if I made a movie where a punk band gets into a Nazi punk bar and all hell breaks loose? <laughs> And then made this movie. I seriously think that's what happened. <laughs> seriously. I mean, I can totally see that. Yeah. So, I mean, I totally recommend this movie. If if you like thrillers, if you like punk music, definitely recommend it. Um, see, I... But that's I, for me. I, I think that I can, find, I can definitively say, I think the reason I was thrown off by this movie was I was expecting just thriller, and then we got the gore from, like, a sure. horror side of, side of things. And that, yeah. that's really what took me out of it. Like, I could do a little bit, but it was just a lot for me. Especially when I've been so busy, and this was, like, yeah. You weren't in, yeah, it's not, yeah, I I totally understand. <laughs> when we go from unbearable weight of massive talent to this, it's a bit of a, a, bit, a little bit of whiplash. Guys, wait till you see this week's pick. Okay, well, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, let's get into it. What is your pick for next week? What if I told you that it is a movie starring Gary Cole, uh, Sean Ashmore, who played, oh, he played like Iceman on Mm -hmm. X-Men, but then also starred Christy Carlson Romano in Hilary Duff. And it is the polar opposite of this movie. Is it Smart House? I know, I know the name of this movie. Um... Cadet Kelly? It's Cadet Kelly. So you're making us guys, do a we're Disney, watch you're make us do a Disney Channel original movie? Uh, we Guys, we're dipping into the world of DCOMs. We haven't done a single DCOM on this show, and we need to at least do one. Do you want, I know there's a... Go ahead. Do, do you want to do three? Cadet Kelly? Do we want to do three? You want to do a, a if Disney we could Channel do three, original that movie? Would be, we could do a triple feature. I would be so pumped to do a triple feature. Ryan, Ryan's going to have so much trouble with this, because this is beyond his generation. <laughs> Disney Channel original movies. The whole no, you don't understand. In the early '90s, there were like Disney Channel original movies. Like yeah. I was not a Disney Channel kid because yeah. I did not like these live action made for TV movies because they were the corniest, dumbest things oh, I've they, ever oh, seen in my 100% life. Percent they are, and they have such a cult following. These are a big part of a lot of people's lives. There is a like, there is a whole like content area just created around these movies that like we haven't even talked about yet. Okay. So, I mean, and, and there are some gems in here. Challenge. I have, I just looked up yeah. some, and I have, we can do this under a triple feature under one condition. Okay. Yes. We all have access to either the original under wraps. Oh. Or Xenon, Girl of the 21st it Century. Has to be, it has to be that one. Because we have to talk about the line that she keeps shouting in that stupid movie. Because those are the only two movies that Kristen thought that I would like from the whole DCOM catalog. Yeah. And I love Under Wraps. I'll actually watch that on my own just randomly. Uh-huh. Um, and Xenon I was okay with. She tried to... Uh, she, she thought that I would like Brink, the one with the rollerbladers. <laughs> but it is... It's because I was a big fan of like X Games and stuff yeah, when I was a kid, yeah, yeah. and I like skateboarding and even rollerblading to a point. But I can't, I can't do Disney Channel watered down like extreme sports stuff. Like, no, sorry, like no. Bleh. I just want to watch all of them now. Like, 
All of these are winners, man. 10 out of 10s. Brink, Under Wraps, Xenon. I'd watch all of them. I'm trying to My think. pick is Cadet Kelly. <laughs> why? Like, I cannot wait oh. to hear you say why. Um, oh, you wait. I'm torn between Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> if we were doing this last week, it would have been Luck of the Irish. <laughs> um <laughs> Phantom with a Megaplex. I'm also Is like, it? I'm also thinking like, do I just do the Even Stevens movie just because you need to see the show beforehand? Right. Um. Oh man. I mean, we can release our picks later. I've got mine locked down, but if we're doing a triple feature, it's going to be amazing. I, I think I'm just going to go Phantom of the Megaplex. Solid because, choice. Because that was me Sunday night seeing Shazam and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Isn't that an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Two. Oh, you also. Know what? Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. It might be. Yeah, kind no, it is. My wife has pointed this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Xenon is is on the Disney Plus app. Of course it is. Under I think under wraps might be the like Well they only have Wonder Wraps, they only have the remake on. That makes me so angry. They did a remake? Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't even don't like it's good for kids. It's good for kids. I'm not gonna be one of these stupid thirty plus year olds that's like, oh don't watch the remake, it's dumb. Well, it's made for kids, <laughs> of course it's gonna be dumb for me. But if you're a fan of the original and you don't have kids, you don't need to see the remake. There's some passion it's not in there, made Ryan. For you. I like this. I'm sorry, but I've really had it enough with adults critiquing kid shows, and it's just it's getting out of hand. As long as it's on Disney Plus, I have my official pick, and it's not going to be Phantom of the Megaplex. Is it not on Disney Plus? Uh, I don't know. It is. I want to see if this other one is. Okay. See, I. I have access to under wraps for myself. Oh, I can watch it too. I'm not concerned. But I'm 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 wondering about if I I just want to make sure since we are doing a triple feature, make sure mm-hmm. that you know it's easy access for everyone. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I yeah, I'll I'll have it no problem. Yeah. I'm not. Um, my pick's gonna be Smart House. Oh, good call. Because in a world where I can, Alexa, turn off my lights. I want to see. I want to see what the movie, how the movie holds up. I think Science. it ends better for you. <laughs> what? Well, I wonder how much of the smart house is just like what we have nowadays. We'll find out next. Oh week. no! Yeah. Are you selecting smart house? Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna be bashing my head against the wall. Okay. I can't um, wait. <laughs> okay, so un, under wraps is the original is on Amazon Prime. Okay. Amazing. Yep. But I don't know if it's Prime Prime or if it's part of a subscription. That's the That's thing. Fine. Because I we'll purchased it. it like we'll two years it. ago. Okay. Perfect. I, I, have to go, I have to go start watching these now because I'm booked until next Tuesday. I love so. that we're going hard into the decoms. This made my night. Thank yes. you all. Well, tune in next week to hear us uh, deep dive into the Disney Channel um, original movies and the list of movies that I could have picked from but wanted to pick from but couldn't. Um, you can listen to that episode and more on wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us live every Tuesday at six o'clock Eastern time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. 
uh, episodes available the next day to stream. Um, I will be in Richmond, Virginia this weekend at GalaxyCon with Victims and Villains doing a panel on Batman and mental health. Um, and I have to go do my homework on that because I've got four graphic novels and a movie I have to watch. Um, wow. Holy cow. Yeah. Woe is me. I have to go watch Batman forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so come see us there. Panel's at four o'clock. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, until next time, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we will see you next week.